Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this February the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and this coming Sunday will be the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. We're going to be taking a look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 to 20. What is God saying here? See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. This passage was one of the passages that Martin Luther argued over with a man named Erasmus during the time of the Reformation. Erasmus was an eloquent scholar. In fact, Luther used his work in putting together the manuscripts from which Luther translated the Bible. So Luther looked up to Erasmus in the area of theological expertise in the Hebrew and the Greek. However, Erasmus had a view that is the view of many people, that we have free will. Free will. Don't we have free will? Well, we make a distinction between the two kingdoms. What two kingdoms? Well, there's the temporal kingdom, that's with government, etc. And there's a spiritual kingdom. That's the Holy Christian Church. Luther made the point that yes, we have free will in the temporal kingdom. We go to a grocery store and we can decide what cereal to buy. We can decide what car to buy. We can decide what church to attend. We can decide who to marry. Yes, we have a free will in these temporal matters. But when it comes to the spiritual matter, namely being saved, an unbeliever has no free will. And and that really makes sense. Because if an unbeliever does not have the will to love God or obey his commandments, how can he ever save himself? In fact, there was a big discussion that Luther had with Erasmus in this sense. Erasmus had conceded that when a person becomes saved, there are two things at work. He said, your free will is at work and God's mercy is at work. And Luther asked a simple question uh, to Erasmus. Well, How much of each is at work? 
And of course, from the Bible, Luther was able to point out that it is 100% of God's mercy that someone comes to faith. Uh, The words of Jesus in a number of areas, he says, you did not choose me, I chose you. Now, the problem that Luther had with Erasmus, Erasmus kept pointing out to conditional statements from God. And we've got one here in Deuteronomy 30, verse 16. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, and then he explains, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his way, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Erasmus's point was very simple. When you find a statement saying, if you obey, that means that God would not be saying that statement if you didn't have the free will to obey. And Luther points out from a grammatical point of view that such conditional statements do not mean that you have the power to obey. I've used this example in other occasions. My five-year-old son, let's say he comes to me and says, Dad, I would like to have a new bike. And I look at him and says, no problem. If you get a job at General Motors and you work there for just one week, you will receive enough wages to pay for a new bike. Now, that's an if thing, but do I think that he has the ability to get hired by General Motors? He's five years old. In fact, there are laws in a number of states that you have to be a certain age in order to work in a restaurant or a job or or this sort of thing. Now, your parents may pay you for doing various chores around the house, but this, if you join and get a job at General Motors, is an impossibility. And this is a huge understanding of law and gospel. Yes, the law is what God is saying here. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, if you obey them, if you love me. But no unbeliever is able to do that. And so the Bible makes it very clear that the purpose of the law is to mirror your sin. Mirror your sin. What what does that mean? Well, there's three uses of the law that God has. Number one is he gives the law to governments to curb wickedness. And therefore there are laws and rules against going over the speed limits, stopping at stop signs, paying your taxes, etc. That's one use of law. 
Then he gives two uses for Christians. The one use is called the accusatory use, the second use of the law. And it is a mirror. When you read the law, it is like looking into a mirror to see what a sinner you are. Now, why would the law do that? It was a law used by John the baptizer in preparing the way for our Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, repent, and then he would list things which they were to repent of, like to soldiers, you know, do not take more spoil than you're allowed to take, and, you know, in a battle, this sort of thing. And so people came to repent of their sins. How is that preparing for Jesus Christ? The more you recognize what a sinner you are, the more depressed you can become about your chance of doing something to get to heaven. Because God demands perfection. That's, that's what Deuteronomy 30.16 says. You need to love the Lord your God. How can you love someone you don't believe in? You need to walk in his ways by keeping his commandments, his statutes, and his rules. An unbeliever has no desire to do that. It's kind of like you're going to serve dinner, and your children have a choice. Peanut butter sandwiches with jam and soft bread. Or I was outside after the rain, and there were a lot of worms that came to the surface, so I picked a whole bunch of them, and I got them prepared for dinner. Choose which one you would want to do. Well, obviously, even children wouldn't choose to eat worms in contrast to a peanut butter sandwich. So they have that choice there. But when it comes to a spiritual matter, choose to follow after God's that you appreciate or follow after the true God who thinks you're such a sinner that the only way for your salvation was the death of God. Now, nobody's going to choose that God. Uh, during my rides in Uber, I occasionally get the opportunity to speak to passengers in the back seat who are interested that I'm a pastor. Oh, well, what religion? Well, I'm Lutheran. Well, what do Lutherans believe? And often when I begin to tell them what they believe, they get angry at me. Oh, we believe that there's no work you can do to get on the right side of God. Your good works don't make any difference as to whether you go to heaven or hell. But you're such a sinner, it took God to die for you. Well, I'm not that bad a sinner. My, my neighbor is worse than I am. And people start making excuses why they disagree with biblical theology concerning the law. They actually, well... Remember, we were talking about this earlier in our series that it says that when it came to Pharaoh, God hardened his heart. 
But upon closer inspection of the context, the way God hardened Pharaoh's heart was not doing something to his heart. His heart already was hardened against God because he was an unbeliever. What God did, he started doing those terrible curses against Egypt. And they were curses against the gods of Egypt. So Pharaoh became really angry at Moses and the Israelites. And he wouldn't let them go until his own son died. That's really an important thing to remember. That when his son died, that was the hardening of Pharaoh's heart against this God. And I'll hear that occasionally in the Uber cab, that after they hear about the God we believe in, they'll say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that God. So by telling them the law of the Bible, I actually become an instrument by God to harden their hearts. Their hearts are even more hardened through unbelief because they don't want to have anything to do with me and, and my God. But Deuteronomy 30 verse 17 indicates why the hearts of unbelievers turn away from the message of the Bible. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. This is very clear what God is saying here, that by following other gods that are contrary to the Holy Trinity and his message, then we do not have faith in the promises of God. Christianity is the only religion in the world, if you even really want to call it a religion, where one is saved through what you believe rather than through what you do. So, why is God saying, if you obey the commandments of the Lord, isn't that giving the impression that you're able to obey the commandments of the Lord? Well, from a grammatical point of view, I've already pointed out with the illustration of a five-year-old who can't work at General Motors, that occurs a lot of times. Like, oh, I wish I'll pass this test. Well, if you spend all night studying, then you might have the possibility of passing the test. Now, there you could have a choice because that's not a spiritual matter. But when you're talking to someone about doing something to get to heaven, you can have all kinds of if statements, but they all will fall short because the purpose of the law is to SOS, show our sin. It's, it's kind of like going to a physician. You may have a pain, but you have no understanding why. Something may be wrong with your body. What does he do? He does a diagnosis, and he'll come to you and say, yeah, you have a germ within your body, and we need to do something about that. You don't know 
that you had a germ, you just didn't feel well, but then comes the treatment. And sometimes people will not accept the treatment that the doctor wants them to do. And they won't accept that treatment because it'll be too painful or it takes time away from their busy schedule, all kinds of reasons. So the diagnosis is correct, but by denying the treatment, then a person is not going to be well. Well, the treatment in the spiritual realm is faith in Jesus Christ. Why does that make a difference? Because when you receive faith from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you life, because that faith is a trust in the promises of God. When that occurs, then you also are able to respond with good works. I've given this illustration before. Uh, the neighbor you really hate. He's got a nicer house. He's got a nicer car. And he has a tree in his yard that keeps dropping leaves over in your yard. But you use the common driveway. Well, you don't like this guy. One day, though, you're driving out of your garage, and he was in the driveway near his car, and he suddenly starts waving to you. You see that in your rearview mirror. Well, what's he doing? He's jumping up and down and waving. So you get out of the car and say, what are you doing? And he says, come on back here. And you go back there, and there's your two-year-old son sitting in the driveway. Wow, you almost ran over him. Your neighbor warned you, stopped you. Do you think you're going to appreciate your neighbor from there on? In fact, you may even go and rake up his leaves in his yard out of appreciation. That's how Christianity works. Because the message of Christianity is that you did run over Jesus. It's your sins that put him on the cross, even though it is God the Father who put him on the cross. God the Father laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all, and he died as the Son of God. And he suffered what the believer will never suffer. In the words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, when people come to faith and they understand in saving them, do you think they have a different understanding, a different picture about God? They certainly do. And therefore, when God encourages them to follow his commandments, they oftentimes can make a choice not to sin. But they don't do it by their free will. They do it by the new will, the new heart 
that the Holy Spirit has given them, creating me a clean heart, a right spirit, David says in the Psalms. And God has done that for the believer. So, when God says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you'll never be able to obey them perfectly because the old Adam will always have an ulterior motive in obeying the commandments of God. And that ulterior motive is always out of self-interest. Your heart turns away. You will not hear what God is saying because you're worshiping other gods. Who are these other gods? They don't have to be a personal God like they have in Islam or Jehovah's Witness, but they are yourself. You become your own God. You therefore follow what you want to believe, what you think is right. For you to choose life, only a believer can do that. An unbeliever has no free will to choose life. But what does it mean when you come to faith? Like Saul did on the road to Damascus, became the Apostle Paul. He then began to love the true Lord, his God. He obeyed his voice. He held fast to him by believing his promises. As verse 20 says, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Now, the land, of course, was the geographical land of Israel. But behind that, it was always pointing to that land of heaven, the new Jerusalem, as described in the last chapters of Revelation, uh, a land where Jesus is the Lord of Lords, that he is the one that you will see face to face, that you will be blessed by him in many ways. So, should you tell an unbeliever, well, if you do these things, you will be saved? Of course. But that is to make the point that he can't do them. And he'll often respond with, I don't want to have anything to do with that God. What is the way to bring him to faith? Not by encouraging him to obey the law, but by preaching to him to believe the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel are the promises connected to the historical events of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. From the cross, Jesus said what you will receive. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. So, the cross itself is our point where we look to for all of our problems. 
because at the cross, God comforts us with promises, promises that are sure and will not ever be broken by God. So Erasmus was wrong. Just because you hear a statement, if you do this, does not mean that you have the power to do this. How many people would love to be a millionaire? Well, if you win the lottery, you can become a millionaire. That's a true statement. But nobody has the ability to just win the lottery. The if is true, but it's impossible by your own efforts. It's, as they say, by the luck of the draw. So, yes, we preach the law, as did John the baptizer, but we do so in order to make people aware that they cannot obey the law. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we take a look at the hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. And that's going to be a wonderful hymn to make the point we made today. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.